message this morning is Galatians 5. It's based on Galatians 5, verse 24 to 26. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, today, in the morning and the afternoon, Ivy and Andrew and Morgan and little baby Cason will receive the sign and seal of holy covenant, uh, of the covenant and holy baptism. And that mark of baptism that the children of believers receive is a symbol that they are distinguished from the children of unbelievers and belong to God's covenant and congregation. And you can see that word belong in verse 24 of our text. The title of the book that we use to instruct the youth from the catechism right now is I Belong, declares this profound grace of God. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 to 10 that we read last week, the Holy Spirit reveals that God's chosen people are his chosen possession, his own possession. And in the coming days, during the week, it's good to think about what that means to belong to God's covenant and congregation. Maybe during the week, after witnessing a baptism today, parents can discuss that with their children around the table, remember it, reminding them of what that day was like and what that means for each one of us. It's good to acknowledge God's grace and His work in our lives. As children who are born into the covenant relationship, as they grow older, many of them, by the grace of God, will manifest the work of the Holy Spirit in their hearts by publicly acknowledging God's covenant promises. And in God's sovereign grace, He so worked in the hearts of of John and Leping that they would like to declare before God and His congregation that they love the Lord, they want to live in relationship of peace with Him for all eternity. Publicly professing your faith is making Lord's Day 1 of the Heidelberg Catechism the defining statement in your life. My only comfort in life and death is that I am not my own, but I belong with body and soul, both in life and death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. And the good news of the text is that same Spirit who gives faith, who incorporates us into Christ's body, also dwells in the hearts of believers. So that everyone who is united to Christ by true faith may live by the Spirit. And these are the people that our text addresses, that the Holy Spirit addresses in our text when he shows us what it means to live by the Spirit. And I preach to you this gospel under the theme, those who belong to Christ Jesus live by the Spirit. Our text touches on two aspects of that, crucifying the flesh and then keeping in step with the Spirit. The Scriptures declare that those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. That it's an active verb, and it, it des- describes a decision, an action on the part of the person to renounce 
one way of life, a worldly lifestyle, to find rest in Christ alone. To crucify the flesh means to curse and hate and flee the desires of the sinful nature which are against the Spirit, like we read in verse 17. In Colossians 3, the apostle says the same thing. He says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Verse 5. Verse 8 of Colossians 3 says, you must put them away. Verse 9, put off the old self. And that's very similar to what we read last week in 1 Peter 2, verse 11, where God urged his people to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. At that time, the congregation, we were exhorted to, to identify the things in our lives that bring us further away from God. We looked at some of the things in the list in 1 Peter 2, verse 1, and chapter 4, verse 3. We're urged to, to work at killing those things. And did you take that warning home with you? Did you spend your days thinking of those things and identifying those things that are waging war against your soul? Did you see how the devil uses music and movies and media to try, try lure you into sensuality, to accept drunkenness and unfaithfulness in marriage and unnatural relationships between people as something normal, and perhaps something even cool? When you are faced with these temptations, because we know we're bombarded with these temptations, did you remember what God said in his word in 1 Peter 2, that you are holy, that you are a royal priesthood, that you were brought into light from the darkness? Now many of the same sinful desires of the flesh that were mentioned in 1 Peter 2 are also mentioned by Paul in many of his what are called vice lists. You can find them in Colossians 3 and 1 Corinthians 6 and Ephesians 5. We read some of those today in verses 19 and 20 of Galatians 5. And then in Galatians 5 verse 26, they were summarized, these vices were summarized and then applied to people in the church where the Lord warns us against becoming conceited and provoking one another and envying one another. And then we realize that with all those vices, the main struggle is that struggle against our own selfishness, our own high view of who we are compared to other people. We're reminded again that such conceit and selfish ambition, that's, what, that's what's leading to provoking others or attacking others. Sometimes that happens with gossip or slander or just a contemptuous attitude. And so this text is speaking to, to us in that struggle if we've ever tried to destroy other people's relationships. Or maybe when we became very angry when a competitor in the workforce got a contract that you thought you were better fit to receive. Or perhaps in a classroom when, when someone got a attention that you thought you deserved to get. And it made you angry, 
because you were, had a, such a high view of yourselves. This text is talking about those who, who form grumble groups to create rivalries and dissensions among people whom God wants you to live in unity with. The text warns us about neglecting someone you were commanded to love. And you need to know that although doing these things gratifies the flesh, it's actually what your sinful nature wants you to be doing. Our text reminds us that these are not things that belong in the lives of those who belong to Jesus Christ. And so we hear the warning of the Holy Spirit in our text. The Spirit that lives in those who belong to Christ. Again, He, he urges us to see the things that are waging war against our soul, to see that they are trying to, to kill you, to, to, to kill your soul. They do not come from the Holy Spirit. They are in fact against the Holy Spirit. They are in conflict with God's work, His Spirit, God Himself, who is in our hearts. You see, those who belong to Christ have renounced those things in order to to come to Christ. And our Lord Jesus always taught that to follow Him is a full life commitment. You can't have it both ways. You can't do those things that we were thinking about on those lists and the rivalries and dissensions and, and deceit and still be faithful to your Savior, Jesus Christ. You can't serve God and your idols. There's no such thing as a Christian syncretist. You can't jump off a cliff, cliff jumping and still keep one foot on the ledge. You can't get a ride on a bus if you're still clinging to the bus stop sign. When God takes hold of you, he takes hold of your entire being, your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. When God works in your heart, you are no longer your own master, but you belong to Jesus Christ with body and soul completely, and there is no better place to be in life and in death. The flesh with its sinful passions must be completely destroyed. We want to completely rejoice in the fullness of Christ's work. And the good news is that the Lord Jesus has sent His Spirit into our hearts so that we will always fight against it in our hearts. When we, when we publicly profess our faith, we, it, it's a battle cry. We will fight against sin in our lives. And Ezekiel tells us that he works this desire in our hearts when he removes that heart of stone, that, that dead, dark heart of stone and he replaces it with a heart of flesh that loves to live in fellowship with God. Jesus' ascension brought him into into the presence of the Father and he made it possible for him to be the, the channel through which God could enter the hearts of everyone who belongs to him. That was the display text when we walked in today, Acts 2 verse 33. It says the same thing in verse 38. 
Whoever believes and is baptized receives the Holy Spirit. The good news for the warring Christian is that God himself, that holy God, revealed himself in the Ten Commandments. God Almighty, the sovereign God, dwells in your hearts. He is within you. And now we don't live away in such a way that we're driven by the, the base desires of our sinful nature, but, but we, we live by the Spirit who dwells in our hearts. And you know that the Spirit dwells in your hearts when you see the conflict, when you have new desires, when, when you want the things that God wants. And when you see that battle raging within you, when you find yourself really hating and, and fleeing from sin and temptation, when young people are, are discussing the temptations and how to, to resist them, you can be assured that only comes from God, that is the Spirit working in our hearts. It's evidence of the victory of Jesus Christ and His ascension and the giving of the Holy Spirit to His church. And the wise... Christian who belongs to Jesus Christ will be thankful to God for the fight, will trust in Christ's final victory over evil, and praise God that the Spirit in our hearts is on a search and kill mission against everything that wages war against our soul. He makes us work continually at crucifying the passions of the flesh, and the word passions can, can, has a sense of that the sufferings of the flesh. The Spirit has been given to you to keep you in Christ Jesus. It's the only hope of salvation. That's why he urges us in his word to keep in step with the Spirit. So when we profess our faith like John and LePing are doing today, like many of us have done, when we, and what we do every Sunday when we stand up and profess our faith with the, the creed, that that struggle doesn't come to an end when we profess our faith in Jesus Christ. When we have the Spirit, that's the beginning of the struggle. And the Spirit leads us by exhorting us and, and compelling us to keep in step with Him, with God in our hearts. And He, lay, he leads us to, to make that choice to, to be holy every time we are faced with the option of not living according to God's will. When we take programs like, like Freedom Fighters or, or Life Renewal, then we, we learn how to recognize that, that gracious work, that guidance of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We learn how to walk with Him as He destroys the sinful defense mechanisms that have calloused our souls. Calluses may dull the pain of trauma, but they also dull the full experience of Christ finished work. It's only when we keep in step with the Spirit's guidance and He directs our hearts to Christ and our lives to God that we really can experience the fullness of the joy and the peace and the comfort of the gospel in Jesus Christ. Galatians 5 verse 25 speaks about living by the Spirit. If you have your Bibles open. You can look back and see Galatians 5 verse 16 says a similar thing when it speaks of, of walking around 
by the Spirit. The work of the Spirit described in Galatians 5 verse 18 is a work, a leading work. We are led by the Spirit. And so we see that the the Spirit is the controlling force in your heart. When you are led by Him, when you walk by Him, then His Word is the Word in your heart and your life. We could see that He is there by the fruit of the Spirit that we read about in our text, before our text, in verses 22 and 23. Most of you probably can say that list again, but as you live, as you go through the, the day, if you go through the week on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, you see that leading of the Spirit in love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You see, to keep in step with the Spirit is to live according to the will of God that has been revealed in the Scriptures that He has provided for us. The Spirit ensured that the Scriptures were, were written down by inspiring the authors. We'll sing about that work in Him 40, or we sang about that work in Him 47. He taught the apostles all things. He, he brought to remembrance all that Jesus had taught. The Holy Spirit is guiding us with His Word. He opens our eyes so that this Word bears witness about Jesus Christ in our hearts and lives. We pray that the Spirit might illumine our minds, our hearts, every time we read it because it's a tool that He is using to lead us undeserving sinners step by step deeper and deeper into the glory of God who manifest His his love in the sending of His Son, Jesus Christ. When we live by the Spirit, we are living with the Bible as our compass and our guide in life. Keeping in step with the Spirit means hearing His Word and studying His Word to gain insight and perspective and guidance in your life. Do you see what keeping in step with the Spirit looks like? It looks like being a part of, a living part of a congregation, faithfully gathering in corporate worship to place yourself under the the Word of God in the workshop of the Holy Spirit. You pray that God might open your heart as well to to receive His guidance in the preaching and in the sacraments. Do you open the Word that He used as an instrument to to bring change, not, not just on Sundays, but also during the week in a conversation with a couple in the congregation about preaching They encouraged me to encourage everyone to take the Bible in your hand that you have before you. To hold your Bible right now. And then think about how many times that Bible is open during the week. Do you even know where your Bible is at home? That's really the first step to keeping in step with the Spirit, isn't it? He speaks to us through His Word. He works in our hearts through His Word. And that Word always leads us to Jesus Christ, our Savior. The one who has given us access to the most high majesty of God. Even while we are living here on the earth, we have that open door to the glory of heaven through Jesus Christ. And the Spirit shines the spotlight on Christ 
and those in whom he lives step with him by fixing our eyes on our Savior who has died on a cross to, to pay for our sins. He points us to Christ, step with him and praise the King of kings and Lord of lords in your lives here on the earth for his glory. The Holy Spirit turns every thought of our mind, every action of our body, every desire of our heart to God through his word. Step with him and he will bring you nearer to to the Lord through his son Jesus Christ who is the head of the body. The Spirit leads you to the cross of Jesus Christ. Step with him and nail your sins to the cross to be punished with Christ. He shows you the the grave of Christ that is an open grave that, that Christ burst out of because he is righteous before God. Step with him. You will receive the fullness of the comfort of the resurrection of the body and your own righteousness in God's sight. The Spirit brings you to the mountain of Christ's ascension and his coronation to eternal kingship. Step with him and bow before your eternal king with your, with your heart and soul and humility so that you may share in the spoils of his victory. You might receive his, his grace and spirit as you reign with him eternally as citizens of his heavenly kingdom. The spirit brings you to the mediator. And through the mediator, to him who sent his son for you, step with the Spirit and walk right through Christ into the throne room of the Father with your fervent and regular prayers in Christ's name. And then at the end of your life, with all your being, into the presence of God Almighty through Jesus Christ, walking with the Spirit. Step with Him and live in Christ with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. This is what the Almighty, Sovereign, Eternal God has brought every believer into when He chose us before the foundation of the world. God is at work in your lives by His Spirit through His Word and he urges us, step, keep in step with me. And brothers and sisters, if you have been baptized, that means you belong. You belong to God's covenant and congregation. The Lord, in his sovereign grace, has singled you out in order to give you his rich and lasting promises. And with these promises, there are also obligations, as there are in all relationships on the earth. He unilaterally brought you into a family and there are consequences of his gracious decision. Jesus said, remain with me, abide with me. And so believing parents will teach their children that in his sovereign grace, God has placed them into a Christian church where they are called to acknowledge his fatherly mercy, to trust alone, him alone for their salvation. And when God works faith in our hearts, 
He also grafts us into Christ. And he dwells right in our very hearts. Every public profession of faith testifies to this powerful work in our hearts. Is the Holy Spirit, God the Spirit, is leading us in that battle against our sinful desires and giving us a desire to live a life worthy of the calling that we have received, the blessings of the kingdom. We look at more this afternoon. And brothers and sisters, everyone who belongs to Christ has been sealed with the Holy Spirit. And if you look, flip the page to Ephesians 1, verses 13 to 14. We read the words of comfort and also the consequence that we rejoice in as we also reflect on the passing away of our loved ones. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance, until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Amen.